Moving along, it's our Halloween special, and uh, we are going to chat with some people who have, how do we say this, like haunted stuff? Haunted just sounds like a cheesy, derogatory, I don't believe it term, haunted. Beverly, are you on the line with us right now? I am right here. I've enjoyed listening to all the things that preceded Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm embarrassed now that you've been listening. All right. Yeah, I am. The music and the advertisements for Joy Radio. I thought that was all quite interesting. (laughs) Well, Beverly is the author of The Conjured, as we say it correctly, Chest, A Cursed Family in Old Kentucky. But also on the line with us from uh, California are Rosanna and Thomas Jeanette, and they are the owners of the Glen Tavern Inn. And we will use the word haunted there because there have been some strange happenings. Rosanna, Thomas, Rosanna, you can hear me fine, hi, I hope. Hi, yes. hi. Greetings to all of you Canadians from Southern California. Greetings. Uh, let, me make some, <laughs> let me make something clear. We don't own a haunted hotel. The haunted owns hotel us. owns us. Nice. Yeah. Well said. Well said. <laughs> And Thomas, uh, Thomas, uh, please help me, Thomas, being the other male in this room who has a, sort of a more of a linear, I don't know, You're, are you a lawyer? Are you a straight thinker? Or do you believe this stuff, Thomas? Thomas, be my main man in this conversation. I, I, I'm right there in your corner. I'm going to try to be. Uh, yeah, this is Tom. Yes, I'm a natural born skeptic, and I'm an attorney, which uh, has honed my skepticism, and to some extent, though, uh, a large one, I'd say I have become a believer. Maybe you too by the end of the program. Maybe, maybe. Well, I'm glad all three of us are on. And uh, uh, let me just go to uh, Rosanna for a second. Rosanna, there's actually um, a little bit of a connection here, unbeknownst to uh, to maybe everybody. Beverly, where are you mm-hmm. in Kentucky right Are you in Kentucky right now? No, I'm in Massachusetts. Okay, but your this 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 family chest kind of came came through the Kentucky area, did it not? Oh, it, absolutely! It started there and then traveled from with one female relative after another, and uh, stopped traveling when my mother sent it to Kentucky in 1976 anticipating a grandchild who was going to be born in Massachusetts. Actually, we moved just before that, and the grandchild was born in Connecticut, but the grandchild did not have any contact with the chest, and that's why she wanted to ship it away to where it came from. Okay, all right, but there is a Kentucky connection here. And Rosanna, uh, can you just uh, (laughs) chat with Beverly about this, please? Uh, Yes, um, actually, uh, we uh, historically have bought buildings and renovated them and put them back on the market. And uh, when we bought the Glen Tavern, uh, it's the the hotel, uh, we we renovated it and put it on the market. And then we decided to take a a trip to, we were in Louisville, Kentucky, looking at all the buildings there. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, um, we got the phone call from hell saying that uh, our building was on fire. And they did not know they were going to be able to save it. And that's after we had put it on the market. Um, it, uh, so the message to us was loud and clear that this building wasn't one that we could just slip. Um, it it uh, had abandonment issues, and it had a stronger connection with us than we could ever imagine. Well, I'm so, we so mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought up abandonment issues because as a as an adopted child, uh, I. <laughs> I just thought I'd any moment to get <laughs> sympathy. Can, yeah. Any moment to get sympathy on this the show. Drew I drew Marshall show. Thank you. Um, so, um, Beverly, let's. Well, I want to interject. Oh. 
Yes, go ahead. interject, that, was, that, that fire was 12 years ago, so that event was... Oh. Rosanna has not wanted to relinquish the hotel since then, and I think we're stuck with it for eternity. Yes, I think so. Can I, can I ask if you see a cause-effect relationship with your trip to Louisville? What is interesting to me is that, for me, the Glen Tavern uh, signifies uh, a synchronicity. Always has had a synchronicity. Always like, are you kidding me? Is this really happening? It's always... Yes. Um, it's, it's synchronistic, and that's the way the universe connects with us. I think that's the language that the universe speaks, not in the outside senses, but in signs and in synchronicities. And uh, the more you are aware of that, the more it seems like it, it happens. And here yeah, I don't even know you, and I'm on the talk show in Canada talking about the hotel, but here you are in Kentucky, and that's exactly where we were yeah. when we tried to... <laughs> and Tom, I heard you wanting to say something there. Go for it. Well, I wanted to build on something Rosanna was saying, and I would describe the hotel not so much as haunted as possessed. And what I mean is, it's not what inhabits the hotel, it's the hotel itself, which hosts various spirits, as some people believe, seems to have a soul of its own, and a mind of its own, and uh, uh, an agenda of its own. <laughs> and so, hmm. the positive-effect relationship would be, uh, to answer the previous question, uh, apparently, and this is Rosanna's interpretation, and I'm not averse to it, is the hotel did not want to be sold and did not want her or us to leave. Mm -hmm. Beverly, I just want to run, I, I guess, people bring people up to speed on, on your story here just for a second. And, and a concise way to explain this, and I know I'm skipping over so many details, but it's because, right. it's, it's, because it's radio and we, we have this time limit. Um, if I understand things right, uh, a slave owner asked this a slave to make a chest of drawers but he wasn't happy with how it was built so he beat the slave to death and then the other slaves put a curse on the chest of drawers is that about right that's it yeah that's exactly it okay mm -hmm. and was the slave owner a relative of yours well that's what i'm i've been trying to figure out for quite a long time okay um there is some connection but not so far i have not found any blood connection between me and the slave owner. Right. I have found, I haven't found the the name that my grandmother gives to the slave owner is Jeremiah, and he has a brother named Jonathan, and Jeremiah had a son um, named Moses. So once we get to Moses, I find that Moses married a relative of mine, somebody who's clearly in my bloodline. Okay. But Moses and that person, Amanda, did not have any children. So there is no child that keeps Moses's blood going. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. How many, again, just, just the thing I have written down here is that 17 people have been killed or seriously injured as a result of this this uh, chest of drawers being involved in their life somehow? That's right, yes. Um, the specific thing that happened that um, hurt them was that someone put their clothing in a drawer of the chest. So in order for you to have bad stuff happen to you as a result of this, of this chest of drawers being in your world, you had to put an article of clothing in one of the drawers. That's right. And whoever put an article of clothing into the drawers, something bad happened to them. What would be an example of, well, um, 
I get maybe just a couple of stories. You know, I know they need oh, we need to be okay. concise, but what would these stories be? Well, we begin with the two uh, brothers that we haven't identified, but um, they had the first the slave owner's son died right at birth, I think. Um, so that's number one. And then the other brother had a son that died right around his 21st birthday. So that would be the second one, yeah. presuming that all these things were in the chest. And then we move to another, well, let's move to my grandmother's grandmother, Eliza. And the chest came into her uh, her possession when um, her younger, her older sister, Amanda, the one who was married to Moses, gave it to her for her household. And while it was in her possession, there were, I think, uh, six victims. So one was the child of Eliza and her husband, John, Louisa, who was born with a spinal disease and lived until she was 12. And there's a very poignant obituary for her in the local newspaper, which I found. Okay, let me let me just ask mm-hmm. you this, and I'm sure you've, uh, this is not the first time. And then we're gonna we're gonna jump the conversation over to uh, mm-hmm. Rosanna and Thomas, and then we'll come back to you. And you know, we're, try, mm-hmm. we're Canadians; we try to be very polite about these sorts of things. Well, I love Canadians. <laughs> um, so someone would say, and I'm sure they've said it to you already, is, look, I know a family who's had a whole bunch of horrible things happen to them in their in their lineage and. An uncle yeah. happened, you know, mm-hmm. suicide, and then there was a car accident, and then there was stillborn. I don't know, whatever. There were a walking, you know, country song, so to speak. Um, and, and there was no chest involved. There was no, you know, artifact. It was just bad stuff happening in a family, a, an unlucky family. So did, did this chest really have something to do with it? No. How, well, do, you, how do you answer it, that? Well, the way I answer it is that there are plenty of other things happening in these various families. That is, children were dying, mothers were dying um, upon giving birth within each of these families, and none of those events was blamed on the chest. So, um, ultimately, my grandmother's grandmother was the source of the story, Eliza, and that's who we're in whose house we are now. But okay. there are things as odd as um, a son of the husband's family, let me see, son of an aunt on not on Eliza's side, but on the other side, who fell off a trestle in the middle of the night, 30 feet, and died. And yeah. his mother, the aunt, had knitted things for him for Christmas and hid them outside of her house, but in the house of her brother and sister-in-law. Okay. And they went into the drawer of the chest. And then Emmett just, he got off that train every night. But suddenly, when the, the items for him went in the chest drawer, not long before Christmas, he died. So the story I found confirmed as far as his date of death and his fall 
in the local newspaper. Oh, wow. Okay. I ne- yeah, I never thought I would find it, but I scanned and scanned and scanned. And finally, I just looked for the word trestle, and there he was. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I've had that experience with other deaths that my grandmother recounts in her story and found out that they're verifiable. And again, there could be two or three other children who die in a family but one is associated with the chest. Okay, to watch Deadly Possessions, uh, the Deadly Possessions episode mm-hmm. on the conjured chest, we have a link uh, on our website that you can go to. If you click on today's show, you'll see the links there. And, uh, but also, uh, go to Amazon, and you can find the book all about this that Beverly wrote. Uh, she is the author of The Conjured Chest, A Cursed Family in Old Kentucky. Beverly, we're going to come back to you in a minute, but I want to jump over to Rosanna and uh, and Tom. They're the owners of the Glen Tavern Inn in Santa Paula, California. Rosanna, what did you find out about the area that this inn is on? Hmm. <laughs> from what dimension, from what time period? Well, I mean, well, just concisely, were there not a lot of bad things that happened around uh, this inn? Oh, yeah. Well, um, in 1928, uh, Tom, do you want to tell him about the, um, about the Mulholland uh, dam that this? Who knows? Well, certainly, a lot of people don't know this, this story, but the uh, largest man-made disaster that ever occurred in California occurred right where the hotel is, and that was a um, catastrophic flood that happened when a, a dam built by Mulholland way upstream. The hotels in the little valley broke in the middle of the night, right around midnight, oh. and there were not modern communications, and that flood washed away. And this is this is documented. It's in the newspapers. Uh, at least 400 people right out into the oh. ocean. Um, and bodies oh were head. being uh, discovered on the shores of Malibu and beaches rather far away for days and days after that. Um, and uh, the hotel was not swept away, but was used as a triage center and a, an impromptu uh, uh, treatment center for the people who were survivors and had nothing left and who were injured while waiting to be helped. But uh, a lot of people think that um, that still hangs over Santa Paula and the hotel to this day. It was a terrible event. Wow, that is a terrible event. Good night. Now, what about actually you know, on the property were there some horrific things, Rosanna, that went down, uh, you know, years ago? You mean prior to the, the building? Yes. Uh, yes. There? Well, I know that there was a couple of deaths um, from, the, from an, uh, a building that was there originally. I think there was a fire. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know too much about the property uh, before it was built. But I do know that someone brought... Um, a psychic from England, and they wanted to find out where the most spiritual area was in that particular uh, part of Santa Paula. So they identified that area um, and then subsequently built the hotel. Okay. Tell me about the first experience or encounter you had at the Glen Tavern Inn. Okay. Uh, we bought it, and I started working at the front desk because at that time we were trying to renovate it, and we really we didn't have a lot of customers, and we were mostly renovating. But there was a company coming from Alabama, um, and these contractors that were um, fixing or putting some oil inside the telephone poles so they don't lock. And uh, the contractors uh, wanted to stay in our hotel and said, look, you know, I know you're renovating, but we're very simple. We're not going to be a bother. 
So there was a, a group of about a dozen contractors from Alabama that uh, stayed um, in our hotel. And uh, I remember one day they came stumbling, stumbling down. I mean, they, they couldn't run down the stairs fast enough. And they said, ma'am, ma'am, I hope you don't think we're crazy. But we just saw a bunch of children running through the hallway, and they ran right into the wall. And, um, and I thought, well, that's pretty strange, you know. But thereafter, there were the guests that were on the second floor. Many of them would, would report seeing children running. Um, in the middle of the night, especially around three in the morning. So I thought that was like, we look at each other and just kind of like, really? Is this really happening? And they, I mean, they were so credible because you can see the fear in their faces. They didn't understand. And, and I'm thinking that possibly it was the children running, you know, from the wall of water that was coming down on the day that dam broke. And they were running. And I think that maybe their spirits are still stuck in that, in that reality. Um, okay, so these, uh, again, I hesitate asking these questions because, uh, you know, you've been asked them a million times. They're from a skeptical mind. The first thing you got to ask, and I'm sure, Tom, you'd ask the same thing, is, well, were the construction workers drinking that night? Well, if, if I can uh, make an answer something about that, you know, I, I am a more linear-minded person. I think so anyway, and so I'm a skeptical person. And I've never had a ghost experience directly there myself, and I thought it was kind of cheesy to begin with, too, and told people not to talk about it. The fact is, I look at evidence, and over and over, we hear the same recurring stories of whatever apparition or whatever experience people have. They're not even ones that you could dig up from the Internet or something like that. And I have to wonder why so many people have seen these little kids running around, and it wasn't just these contractors. They're a good example, because they're very down-to-earth people, and they were not at the hotel to look for ghosts, like some people are. They weren't ghost-minded people. They were more like me. And they told us this story, just like it, you know, with an everyday event, except that the children disappeared into the wall. And we've had other occurrences like that, people staying there. For instance, there was a film crew there. They weren't filming ghost stories either. There was something in the neighborhood. And in the middle of the night, one of them just bolted from the hotel, a young guy, probably 25, and he explained to the desk attendant, who was rather blase about it, he said, I don't know what happened, but I was in this room, this room 221, and I just felt this big, dark, heavy, massive presence forcing itself down on me, like some kind of uh, incubus or something. And she bolted from the hotel. And we've heard that account from several people. And after a while, even someone like me has to say, what's going on? And it's sure. the same experience in the same rooms. It's very eerie. Okay, so uh, the Travel Channel did an episode uh, of the Dead Files uh, about your place. Uh, how long ago was that, Rosanna? I think it was about two and a half years ago, uh, possibly three. Right, and, 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 and that involved a homicide detective and, uh, and a medium uh, investigating right. reports of these sort of mm-hmm. terrifying paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. Do you do, are, do you get scared? I mean, you guys, you hang out there. It's your place. You own it. I'm sure you sleep there every mm-hmm. once in a while. Or whatever. Do you get scared? I never get scared. No. Uh, you know, it's not anything that I have to be afraid of. It's just a connection outside of time and space. And, you know, just because we can't understand things with our five senses doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I mean, it's no different than elephants being able to communicate with the vibration of their hoofs or their feet, you know? through miles and miles away with other elephants, through the vibration. We may not be able to understand that or explain it, but it happens. And so what I feel, 
there's so many realms and so many dimensions that we don't understand, but it doesn't mean that just because we can't explain them is that they don't exist. Well, I just happen to have made peace with it, you know, yeah. and, and whatever. I'm not afraid. I mean, if there's anything to be afraid of, it's the live people. It's the what people? <laughs> the live people, the yeah. Live yeah. People, yeah. The live people, I want to just go to you, uh, Beverly, for a second. Are you scared of the chest? If you were near the chest, would you touch it? Would you put your clothes in it? No. I would <laughs> I'm answering the last two questions. I, um... I'm a bit afraid of it, yes. I'm, let's say I'm uneasy around it. I had the opportunity, surprise opportunity to meet it again after 40 years, two, about two years ago when I was on a program also done by the Travel Channel. Um, it was Ghost Encounters, and then they started a, a series called Deadly Possessions. And they wanted to fly me to a new haunted museum um, in Las Vegas, and they also brought the chest there. And I spoke with Zach Bagans, who's the host of the show, and I didn't even notice that there was this huge object next to me covered in black because the room was so dark. And um, But I eventually said, well, where is the chest after talking about it? And they unveiled it in front of me. And I was startled, and um, I did not touch it. I um, The last thing my daughter said to me going out the door was, whatever you do, Mom, don't touch it. So I kept my word. and um, But it was uncomfortable, and I would not put anything in the drawer. Okay. I didn't open the drawer. Right, but here's the thing, Beverly. Uh, someone, mm -hmm. someone your mother loved died in order to reverse the curse or take off That's the conjure, right. and I think mm -hmm. her name was Sally. Sally. And yes, that happened in 1946, and she was the 17th victim. And right. so if the, if the conjure has been taken off, then put your socks in the thing, you know, uh, whatever. Well, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but um, no, no one in the room with it wanted to even open the drawer. Right. They went and got someone from outside. So it still projects an eerie feeling yeah. from it when you know the history, even though logically it should be okay. Right. And uh, Rosanna, um, have you had mm -hmm. people come to the Glen Tavern Inn uh, with their uh, scientific equipment and try to uh, locate spirits and get them on the infrared yes, cameras and yes, that stuff? Yes. We, we actually had a paranormal con convention there a couple of years back. And, you know, it's not anything that we promote. It's just that the building we feel has its own destiny and it's its own message to bring. And, and people come to it, and we're very open to, to the idea of, you know, people uh, coming to investigate, because we know for a fact that something is there. Yeah. Maybe it's a portal or the dimension between the, the wall between the two dimensions is thinner, but something is going on there. We don't promote it, and, but, you know, we we are open to the idea, and if people want to come and investigate, they are welcome to. Sure, and, and Tom, um, you know, uh, I guess I, I keep coming back to you as the rational, uh, the rational guy here in, in this whole thing, and have you? Did you ever, in your lifetime, prior to owning the Glen Tavern Inn, had you encountered anything weird, any paranormal stuff prior to owning the Glen Tavern Inn? 
uh, I did. Uh, we used to own a house in Pasadena, California that was a, a craftsman house built in 1905, so that's six years before the Glen Tavern. And um, it was kind of a strange place like craftsman houses are. It was very dark and kind of gloomy inside. And uh, the housekeeper and my kids, who were very little at the time, had reported that they'd heard something strange, that they had heard uh, somebody walking across the long wooden porch that you know runs along a lot of these homes, like there was a man coming home from work, heavy footsteps walking right up to the door, and they opened the door, and there's nobody there. Now, I said, this is silly. I said, it's imagination, which is very powerful, I believe. Yeah. I said, it's an old house, and sounds move throughout. It's single-wall construction. One day, I'm sitting in the living room myself in the evening time, and I hear the same thing. Very distinct, heavy male footprints, boom, 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 right to the door, and they stop. And we had a little porthole. We could open the door within the door to look out like a window. There was nobody there. I was astonished. I fling open the door. I look all around. There's nobody there and no way they could have escaped, at least not without making a sound. And I thought that was very strange. About two days later, I'm sitting there. The same thing happened. This time I'm ready. I'm about five feet from the door on the couch. I bolt up, fling the door open. The dog is barking. A little toy poodle barking its head off. So it's not just me. <laughs> if I'm hallucinating, so is the dog. I fling it open. Again, nobody there nothing. I even went underneath the porch with a, pl a flashlight, because there's sort of a, a basement area under there. It was locked. Shined it all around. Nothing. And I found that extremely strange, because for one thing, I experienced it myself. I'm always skeptical of other people's reports, but it was absolutely lifelike and unmistakably footsteps, and I can't explain it. That's interesting. I, I had a similar experience. Uh, I grew up in, the, in a funeral home, and uh, from my bedroom upstairs, I could hear somebody downstairs in the funeral home. And it was about 3 in the morning, and that shouldn't be happening because, you know, dead people don't move around a whole lot, typically. Um, so I decided to go down, and I walked past, opened up a door, turned on the light in the hallway, opened up the door, went into another dark room, had to go across the room to turn on the light switch, and I was walking by all these caskets that were in storage. And I went into the garage, and I thought there was someone in the garage. Anyway, long story short, er, there was nobody. But I was still scared. So I had a hammer and a, and a skipping rope. I'm not sure why I grabbed a skipping rope, but I had a skipping rope and a hammer. <laughs> tie them up, hit them on the head and tie them up. I guess I was probably thinking that. So I went back, and I had to walk across the casket area, but I had to turn the light switch off first. So I walked across the dark area. All the caskets are on my left. Uh, it, it, so the, turn the light off, walk across, and I could see the light under the door from the hallway on the other side. And as I got halfway across, the light goes off underneath the door and I hear footsteps on the other side. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm like, I know somebody's here. So I grab the doorknob real kind of careful, turn it kind of slow and then pull it open and do the scream and I'm ready to pound the guy with the hammer and tie him up with the skipping rope. And it was my dad. I scared the living snot out of my dad. <laughs> and he was so angry with me because he heard me downstairs and it just didn't go over very well. That's, oh, the, well. that's the end of mine. Did you wrap him with your uh, skipping my rope? My skip rope, no. <laughs>
Anyway, um, it is a weird thing growing up in a, in a funeral home. GlennTavern.com is the website, GlennTavern.com. And, of course, if you want a link uh, to buy the book called The Conjured Chest, A Cursed Family in Old Kentucky, you go to Amazon and you can find it there or to watch the Deadly Possessions episode on The Conjured Chest, also a link to the YouTube uh, uh, video there. Um, Rosanna, do you have any religious background at all? Do you have maybe some Judaism in you or Christianity or something, some Catholicism, something that would give you a foundation for, for uh, trying to process, uh, supernatural stuff? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we all go through stages in our development of spirituality. I was raised Catholic. Um, I actually lived in Saudi Arabia for a while and I became introduced to Islam. Um, um, and then when I came back to the United States, you sort of uh, develop your own uh, beliefs, you know, and, right. and uh, I learned a little bit from each religion and uh, sort of created my own. I do, I do believe that there is a higher power. I do believe in good. I do believe in good intention. And I believe in love. And uh, love to me is my religion. And um, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, so interesting. You guys, I mean, you're just a fascinating couple. This place is, uh, I'd love to get out there sometime and, and uh, kind of experience things for myself. And, and uh, one of these days, mm-hmm. next time I'm down in, in California, I'm going to pop over and not tell you guys that I'm there. I'm just going to go there and just to see, just because I don't want you pulling any any practical jokes on me. There's times when I feel like people come to look for ghosts and ask for specific rooms. Um, I don't want them to be disappointed, and I am tempted to make little bumps on the wall just to satisfy them. <laughs> good, good. Turns out I don't need to, though. No, you don't need to. No, the the bumps uh, came already. Uh, uh, Beverly, where is this conjured chest right now? It's um, at the Kentucky Historical Society, which is in Frankfort, Kentucky. Okay. It was recently recently brought out in mid-October for an event that is, of course related to Halloween. Well... Now, I, I just want to insert one thing. Please. That um, I am not an irrational person. No, actually, can I, can I just tell everyone... I want to tell everyone this part. I want to tell... This lady, she's a professor at Harvard. Where did you graduate from, though? Oh, I went to... Uh, I got my undergraduate degree at the University of Maryland, and then I got a master's and Ph.D. from Boston College. Do you see what I'm saying here, Tim? Yeah, she's pretty SMRT. <laughs> yes, SMRT. Well done, Tim. What's that? Oh, oh, thank you. But I'm also very meticulous at my work. I work with things from the Middle Ages that are in Latin. And most of what I do requires reading an original source that's written by hand and making very detailed observations to justify why I am interpreting it the way I do. And so if you look at my footnotes in the chest, you will see a summary of all the genealogical work that I did, which convinced me that there's something going on there. I did not... I grew up with this spooky chest in a spooky room and my mother doing spooky things <laughs> but but I, um, I I don't know that I really absorbed that and when I prepared to go on the TV show in Las Vegas 
I did my homework. That's what I always do. And I went through and researched person after person. And I was absolutely astounded at what I found. So good. And I'm so glad you brought that up. That actually is a very important part. Beverly Kinzel, she is the author of The Conjured Chest, A Cursed Family in Old Kentucky. And, uh, and she is a retired Harvard Divinity School professor, no doubt. And I want to let everyone know that the reason that you all, I almost said y'all, but you all uh, are on our show today is because of our very good friend Johnny Wonder. Uh, Carl Urban, Ashley Green, and Forrest Goodluck are going to be starring in the action-adventure Snowblind. And uh, uh, this film is developed by coalition groups Johnny Wonder and uh, Louisa Iskin. And there's a traveling picture show company uh, association here. But basically what I'm saying is Johnny Wonder's like a cool Hollywood guy who is working with, with these characters, these three uh, amazing people we've got on our show, uh, Beverly, Rosanna, Thomas, and, and also... Uh, uh, Christopher Chacon earlier in our show, just developing all sorts of very interesting projects, and we can't even tell you. We can't tell you. No. So, or we'll put a curse on you. We'll, we'll write it down. We'll write it down what they're doing, and we're going to put it in the top drawer of the conjured chest. Nice. And if you want to go read it, it's all up to you. And okay. that pen will be cursed. Yeah. Hey, listen, I know there's never enough time to chat about all the all the things that are going on in your worlds, but Rosanna and, and Tom Jeanette, owners of the Glen Tavern Inn in Santa Paula, California, again, the website glentavern.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and Beverly well, Kinzel as well. Thank you to all of you. What, what a fascinating conversation. Thank you conversation. for inviting us. I know. I wish we had more time. Yeah, I'm to, so sorry. Uh, talk to each other about life with, uh, well, yours has had a much greater impact. Um, because I haven't lived with the chest for a very long time. No. Well, that's and, why I go to the gym every day. I try to, <laughs> I try to live with my chest. It's sagging. Once you get the 50, it sags. There's a joke there somewhere. It's heading south. Oh, my goodness. Okay, listen, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Happy Halloween to all of you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Drew. Bye.